0: Welcome to Teach Like a Pirate from ZTECH Podcasts. I'm
1: Nicole Huff. I'm Sylvia Ellison, and this is episode five. Today we're talking about transformation. It's a continuation of the philosophy of teaching like a pirate. Our last podcast talked about uh, the delivery of our message and how we get to those moments of creativity. And we talked and gave several examples about creativity is not just about dressing up in costumes or jumping around the room, that it's about like, thinking outside the box yes. and coming up with new ways to meet your stu- dress your shoes. So transformation, I think, is really a nice extension of that. And to me, transformation is about that try, fail, mm-hmm. adjust.
0: What your classroom was and what you want it to be, and you're working always towards the way right. you want it to be.
1: So for me, transformation is the adjust part. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we adjust a lesson that may not have worked in the past so that we make it work now? In this chapter, he really talks about the idea that would your students pay to attend your classroom? Like yes. if they didn't have to be there. So the first, the introductory quote that we want to bring to view here is on page 56 where he says in the upper half, uh, about halfway down, if you feel your message is important, and I do, It is worth the effort to go to any lengths to make sure it is successfully delivered. I think that kind of encapsulates the importance of purposeful planning. And if we are purposefully planning lessons that will engage our students to the point where they don't want to miss our class, then we must transform lessons. And I think that We kind of get to that spot in the past where you said, like, I had a goal of how something should be played out in my head, and then it happened, it didn't work the way I thought it should happen, so now we have to adapt. And so Mm -hmm. I like the word transformation here. First of all, it fits in the PIRATE acronym. But two, it, it doesn't say that I'm a failure. It says that my lesson did not reach my goal. And so what do I need to do to transform it or reframe it so that it will be successful? And it accounts for all the hard work of doing that. Yes. This is a transformation.
0: There was something before and we wanted more. So we put in that work and effort to change. Correct you know that's all of those shows like the the queer eye for the straight guy and all of the Fixer makeover upper, shows yes. and stuff you get to see at least some of the snippets of the work that goes into the before and after we don't just see them before and they go off stage and come back and they they look different we get to see some of that work and that's kind of what makes those shows addictive is that we like watching the work. We right. watch
1: we watch the tear down and the build back up. And we like them coming into an obstacle and seeing how they solve it, right? Yes. So I think that's interesting that in this one especially Dave Burgess just pulls out a couple of things that I've heard and seen teachers do. I've actually done them myself without knowing what I was really doing and um and teach like a champion Douglas Mauve calls it. Without apology, Mm -hmm. right? So on top of 62, he says, and this is our quote that I'd like to camp out on for a while with our Lecto Divino process. Don't position your material as if it is awful tasting medicine. Position your content as if it's amazing. Give motivating reasons why the material is important to know. Quote, because it's on the test, doesn't cut it. If you can't explain why someone should pay attention to what you're saying, maybe you shouldn't be saying it. And I thought, oh, wow, how many times have I even said, you got to well, know this stuff. You got to know this stuff because, mm-hmm. or worse, it's in our curriculum. We're, te- we're going to do it because it's in the curriculum. Come on, we're working towards passing that FSA. Let's
0: get, let's get that 19 on the ACT.
1: Let's score higher than my colleague down the hall. Right, any of those reasons, <laughs> but what um Douglas Moss says that what it does is it cheapens the material it cheapens right. the con- it cheapens the lesson, and so I think if we're trying to transform lessons, the first thing we have to do is not apologize for what we're sure. teaching, but instead reframe it well, and just because the
0: lesson is hard or the thinking is high level does not mean that it's some bitter tasting medicine, right. Oftentimes, things that are hard are worth it. And that's when the light bulb goes off and you get a whole paradigm shift. Like The whole reason that I'm a librarian, that I ever taught English, that I was in the reading world, is because there are books that challenge who I am. Like, I like to read a book and see it as evidence of a time period. And this is what that author thought and wanted to put out in the world. And what do I want to say back? And sometimes it never occurred to me that people think the way this author is saying his world works or her world works. They talk about Shakespeare being somebody who is a paradigm shift. Shakespeare is notoriously difficult for our kids. And this is a point where a lot of teachers will say, but we got to get through this. You have to know Shakespeare. Well, okay, I don't want you to know it because everybody knows it and you have to and it's this bitter pill. I want you to know it because Shakespeare is like the first individualist. Romeo and Juliet is not just this love story about two kids who you know, end up taking their own lives because, oh, I'm so in love with you at 14. It's about the fact that they want to make their own decision and not the decision that their parents make. It's not about the success of the family name. It's not about the Montagues and the Capulets and who they are. It's about Romeo. It's about Juliet. It's about being who they want to be as people, not who their parents want to be.
1: Well, and I think taking a step further, too, we can even say that it's about two kids growing up making mistakes and how can mm-hmm. we learn from their mistakes so that we don't have the same outcome as they do. And the fact that we have an
0: author writing this right. and showing it to the public means that that society was working through or struggling with those concepts at that point. He is an individualist and kind of arguing for that by showing us the horrors of what happens here. So from Ask and Analyze, what question could you write on the board? I could write some really cool essential questions. Uh, You know, the, the deep understandings, the what do I want you to remember in 20 years if you don't remember the lines of the play? Who cares? I want you to think about who you are as an individual, how you determine that, when it's okay to do things that your parents disagree with, when it's okay to live outside of your family norms. Those are the things I want you to think about.
1: And I and- think that's a great way to build rapport Mm-hmm. And immerse yourself in the curriculum. I mean, we're starting to get to the point where the philosophy is almost getting entangled because the pieces are so dependent upon each other. Like, none of this happens if you don't have a mindset that says, I want to be a passionate teacher. Right. Right? And I just love the idea that Still we're... To light yourself on fire. To light yourself on fire, right. I think it's really cool, the story that he tells in here about his son going to the border machine, and he put it in and he gets this little girl bracelet out. And, his, and he says, in that moment... Mm-hmm. I have a fraction of a second to reframe this whole scenario so that my son thinks this is that nice. This is exciting, as opposed to oh my god, I got a girl gift, right? Mm-hmm. And he says that without hesitation, I held it up and pointed to it and emphatically yelled "pirate treasure," and his son grabs it out and goes "yeah!" and starts running around yelling. I mean, to me, that was just like an instant moment that illustrates the the need that we as teachers have to transform pieces of our curriculum that we may or may not see as valuable but instead of apologizing for them or positioning them in a place where our kids are going to be that we can just bear with me we'll get through this right no we turn it from there we reframe it Mm -hmm. so that an ugly bracelet becomes a pirate's treasure that bracelet didn't change. Right. That story didn't change. That math problem didn't change, but how I presented it, mm-hmm. what I what I, the perspective I put into it made my students react differently. I love it here. The truth is students probably really don't hate math. They hate the way it's been taught to them in the past. Right. So just by reframing and changing things, in this case math and this came a story that we can have a different outcome that's the understanding by design philosophy
0: and i love the unit and i think it's in middle school that is both math and science around roller coasters and instead of just teaching math concepts and science concepts in isolation when they're teaching force and you know gravity and inertia and acceleration and and the math behind that and all those kind com- they You're talking look at like a science person by the way designing <laughs> a roller coaster and kids get to like draw out what they think they want and see if the math says that our bodies can handle it or not and that is Something that hits our kids where so many of them are interested. What an instant engagement and reframing. Now I'm willing to memorize the force and gravity and blah, 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 and learn what our body's limits are and things that I didn't care to just do computationally. I
1: care about because I want to design a roller coaster. And I don't think it's that I'm willing to memorize. I'm learning them yeah, and memorizing them because I'm excited about learning how roller coasters work. Yeah. So it's not the end goal. The end goal was changed. Mm-hmm. The end goal was learning how our older to work, which changed my, my motivation. Wonder I wonder if we reframed a lot more of our curriculum uh, that students would engage more with us, right? Mm-hmm. That if we uh, approached things as... For example, when I taught the springboard unit of an analyzing Tim Burton style as a director, we didn't... So focus this is on step two in your classroom. Correct. We didn't focus on writing a style analysis essay, <laughs> right? Our focus was: can we figure out how Tim Burton makes cinematic choices so that we feel surprise, mystery, or or tension, which is our standard, right? I just shifted our focus, and now let's now let's. By the way, let's write about it. So how does how did Tim Burton do this? Tim Burton doesn't make... Well, yes, he does. I'm feeling mystery here. I'm feeling su- there's some surprise here. There's tension here. Well, oh, I see how he did that. So my the greatest one my students ever did was Alice in Wonderland falling through the floor, hitting the ceiling. And then Tim Burton tilts the camera 180 degrees, and she falls and hits the floor again. And I said, wow, I want, that's kind of weird how he did that mystery. And my students said, well, miss, he's creating an alternative universe. So when he tilts the camera, he's letting us know that, oh, by the way, she's leaving Earth and going to this other world.
0: She's in the Upside Down for Stranger Things fans.
1: Yes. And (laughs) I think that was like, my kids were engaged. He had to be thinking Mm -hmm. to come with that. Well, the transformation of my lesson, taking it away from the mundane or the things that kids hate, which is writing because I don't know how to write, to the... Let's think about what he's doing that just, impacts me. Right. That, and just transforming <laughs> that through that one shift in my planning, a shift in my teaching. I now had students interested in looking at and finding places where he does things like that. And then when it came to writing the essay, oh that's easy because We've already know talked to, about it. I know how to do all of it. I understand yeah. what I'm doing. So the writing part was still an obstacle, but because we had A, B, C, D, mm-hmm. I'm willing to take the risk in the writing because I know my thinking is valid. So I think sure. that transforming lessons is not just about not excusing it, making apologies, but it's also about reframing things so that our students can feel successful. Yeah. We don't have to take a piece of primary source and make it a Nobel Peace Prize winning piece. You know, we don't have to change and lie about that, but we can take a piece I think I have mentioned earlier about the letter from Birmingham Jail, right. Changing one look at a standard and going, oh my goodness, this changed the course of human history. That kind of shift mm-hmm. can have an impact on how our students shift their thinking and learning in our classroom.
0: And it happened in my classroom with, not Romeo and Juliet, because actually I taught 10th grade English far more than I taught 9th. And when I was teaching that, the play that we were reading was Julius Caesar of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And so at first we were reading it because we had to read Julius Caesar and mm-hmm. I wasn't great at teaching it the first time I taught it because, you know, try, fail, adjust. Right. Okay, we're going to read this. Um, and there's some cool lines in here. And, uh, well, it didn't really work. And the reframing that I did and the transformation happened when I, again, made it more about the kids and used the rapport I had with them. So I pulled out some of those essential questions that are dealt with in the play and started with an anticipation guide and figured oh, out where yeah, they stood on it. Are you? Do you think it's more important to have a free society or a strong military, was one of them. And they had to pick where they stood. And so they picked, and we had a brief discussion, and then we read, and of course we stopped and made meaning. But our eventual project, which they knew about from the beginning, was that they were going to have to find a character who agreed with them for what they said on the anticipation guide. Now, they were allowed to change if they felt like changing at some point. But they had to find a character who agreed with them on one of the statements, find a speech that that character gave that showed the character's agreement. They had to give the speech to the class and then explain what the character was saying Mm. and why that was a philosophy they agreed with. So it was really about finding somebody in that play who agrees with me. Well, I'm going to prove myself right from that discussion. I'm going to find the people who agree with me. And suddenly they were more interested in doing it because it was all about them.
1: Right. And I can see even whether it failed or not, it was successful. But let's say I I did that and it didn't work again. I could even say, okay, let's go back to the essential questions. And let's, what are the, the big ideas in this play? Is is it, it's loyalty. Is it more mm-hmm. important to have a safe environment or a loyal friend? hmm Right. And now we've got kids caught in that, ooh, I want to say loyal friend, but I really want safety. I really want, loyal. you know. And that's in their and now, world. Correct. And it's, so it's putting it in their world and mm-hmm. transforming it so that now, why should I read Julius Caesar? I need to read it because in the future I might have to, do, I might have to choose between following the law that I disagree with
0: or following my
1: friend friend who I agree with, but he's going to break the law and I could lose my life over it. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's um, some of those ideas that help us shift, in this case, transform lessons. I like the idea of transforming too, because transforming is not just change. It's changing to make better. right Right? like we have a transformer outside of our house that makes our house get electricity that makes our (laughs) life better right and we move from the voltage outside to the voltage that things can handle inside right and And so i think that our students need to be put in a classroom where the voltage using your example there is just right for them it's a it's so they can make sense of it that they can it's not too Engage much. It's enough. not a level that's going to shock them into a stupor. It's right the right amount to make them run,
0: to power yes. them. <laughs> and, it, and
1: it's palatable because it's got to be the right gas or the right electricity to do that. So I think as, as teachers, the more that we're passionate about teaching and immerse ourselves in the lessons in our, li- our kids' lives through building rapport, the more we ask and analyze the right questions, I think it'll be easier for us to transform our mm-hmm. class lessons. So, our call to action this week? Yeah, it comes from
0: some of the questions that he asks that are the right questions to be asking. You know, question one and question two, pages 58 and 59. If your students were only held responsible for passing the tests, would they still show up to your class every day? And do you have any lessons that you could sell tickets for? So, yeah. let's think about your lessons. And let's think about, are there lessons that your kids wouldn't want to miss, that they're rescheduling doctor and dentist appointments for, that they're making sure that they may skip other classes, but they're there for yours, even if it's going to get them caught for skipping. Right. Let's oh, think about, one. do you have those lessons? What is it about those lessons that keeps kids in there? And if you don't have them, how can we get some
1: of them? Right.
0: And how, how do we get more of them? How do we build more of that in our classrooms, and I
1: think if you're struggling with this, like you can't recall a lesson that was that exciting, that kids would pay to be at that kind of idea. Who in your school is? Is there a teacher that that kids can't stop talking about? Right. Not because they're easy, not because they give away, but because the learning is happening in that room. Oh and my God, we made
0: rock salt in science.
1: Oh. We
0: were taking people's fingerprints in forensics, and I had to get permission from teachers and come and do it. And
1: do you know it's actually hard to take their fingerprints? Well, but even think think outside that because I'm thinking as an English teacher, I can't do things like that. But what? No, but I heard about that from another teacher on our campus. Uh, (laughs) But but what what is that teacher doing to make that lesson accessible? And how can I apply that to my classroom? So that's not gonna happen by hearing about it. That's gonna happen by using the rule of two feet. Take your two feet, walk to their room, and say, Mm -hmm. hey, can I watch? And then watch. And I love it when I go watching a science lesson or a math lesson because I'm not focused on the content, I'm focused on the pedagogy. How are they presenting information? How are they Mm -hmm. engaging students in conversation? And so I can really focus on the types of questions they're asking. I can focus on the structure of their lesson. Those things that focus on
0: their rapport, because so often that is what lights kids on fire. Is that if you are engaging, if this lesson peaks their passions and their interests, they get more engaged. So, how can I look at my lessons and focus my content on how it relates to my kids' lives? Right. How can I do that? That'll get them wanting
1: to be in my class. So lots of good ideas were generated today. Remember that if you'd like to extend the conversation with us, we would love to hear your voice, and you can record an audio memo on your phone and email it to us at ctechpodcasts at gmail.com or join our slow chat at hashtag ctechpodcasts where our action plans and questions mm-hmm. will be posted. And as you get to it, um, you can respond. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great day.